everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. What would happen to the relationship between you and me if I served someone that you loved? What if I went the extra mile to do something helpful or kind or generous for your parent or maybe a child, your best friend, your spouse? Well, our relationship would get stronger because when I love someone you love, I'm loving you, am I not? Now, what about the flip side? What would happen to you and me if I hurt someone that you loved? I didn't do anything to you, but I hurt someone that you cared about. What if I was unkind or I was arrogant and made them feel inferior? What if you found out I was gossiping about them, I criticized them to others, I cheated them out of something, a stolen opportunity that they deserved? How would you feel about me if I hurt someone that you really loved? Now, let me ask you, do you think that same dynamic happens between you and God? Let's talk about it on this edition of Journey at Home. So during this overhaul series, we've been addressing what I believe is a big reason Christians and churches often hurt others. It's because we're still living with a religion model mindset. In the religion model, there's sacred places. You know, don't run in God's house. Don't make noise in the house of the Lord. It's a sacred space with sacred texts that you better treat special. So in Christianity, we were taught to treat the Bible with reverence, which is why people get more upset when you set something on top of a Bible than if you don't read the Bible. And those sacred texts will... They couldn't possibly be understood by the common woman or man because you're not smart enough, you're not spiritual enough, so you need some sacred men, you know, to interpret those texts for all the sincere followers who are trying to make sure that everything's good between them and God. It's typically how it works. But as we've talked about through this series, when Jesus showed up, he came to end the religion model and introduce something brand new that overhauls everything. He didn't add to, he didn't update the religion model, it wasn't religion model 2.0. Nope. He completely replaced the religion model with a new movement established by a new covenant and built on a new command. A new movement that should be known for being full of grace and truth, just like Jesus. A new covenant or arrangement with God where things could be good between us and God, not because of anything we do, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, what he did for me and you. And all of this was to be built on the new command that we're going to talk about today. Now, this is going to challenge the way many of you think, and I understand that because there's a little religion model in all of us, isn't there? The Jewish people in the first century, they had a really hard time letting go of the old covenant, the old way they related to God, their old religion model. They had a hard time fully embracing the new way Jesus introduced. They just wanted to mix the two. But when you mix the old and the new, you make a mess of everything that Jesus came to do. And yet it's so easy for the religion model to creep its way into our thinking And suddenly we're justifying treating people poorly, and we justify it in the name of God. And when we treat our beliefs as more sacred than the people, and we treat our places as more sacred than the faces who come there, I guarantee you, if you've been hurt by Christians, if you've been hurt by the church, it is because those Christians let the old ways creep back into how they thought and lived. 
That's what allowed them to justify their hurtful behavior towards you. It's also why Paul, who wrote the majority of our New Testament documents, it's why he spoke so directly and so passionately about keeping the old out of the new. I mean, Paul knew that the minute you mix these two things up, everything gets messed up and people end up getting hurt. And Paul couldn't stand to see that happen. So when he heard that some people had gone to the churches that he began in the region of Galatia, and these people had told those churches that they needed to hold on to the old covenant, specifically that you couldn't be a Christian unless you were circumcised. Well, Paul was furious. And so he wrote this very direct letter explaining the danger of believing that and behaving that way. And in the last episode, we read a little bit of it, but I want to pick back up where we left off because Paul believed the new covenant made it so simple and that we should never fall into the trap of complicating things with God. Here's how simple he believed it was. He wrote the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In other words, you want to know if your faith is genuine, well, just look at how well you love. Now, that may sound a little too simplistic, wouldn't you say? I mean, love's an important thing, but it can't be the only thing. I mean, what about all the other stuff in the Bible, Paul? To which Paul would say, nope. All that stuff in the Bible can be summed up in one command. Love one another. That's why the only thing that counts is not what you believe. Paul said the only thing that counts is not what kind of church building you have. Nope, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself, working itself out in love. Now, I don't want you to miss the implication of this. See, in the old religion model, the focus is always vertical. When you're operating in an old religion model, the thing that you're most concerned about is, well, how am I doing with God? You know, God, is everything good between you and me? Have I followed the rules well enough for you? I mean, where's the line where I'm being good enough, you know? And then it's like, oops, I lost my temper and I hurt them. God, please forgive me. Oh, man, I was selfish and I was rude to them. God, I'm sorry. Oh, I messed up today. God, you know, here's my bucket of sin. You know, I'm going to bring it all to you. Just forgive me for all my sin so I can get an empty bucket and then tomorrow I'll go fill it back up again. To which somebody might say, well, what about all the people you hurt when you sinned? And for most of us, it's like, well, I'm not really thinking about them. I'm just worried about me and God. The religion model is completely self-centered. I'm just focused on making sure God and me are good. It's all vertical. But Paul showed up and said, no, 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 that day is over. It is finished. Jesus introduced a brand new covenant where the focus is now horizontal. Now it's all about how you're loving the person beside you because they're way more sacred than any place you go to. It's about making things right with that person you hurt when you lost your temper or you were selfish when you sinned. You see, in Jesus' model, once you accept God's forgiveness, here's the good news. You don't have to worry about where you stand with God anymore. I mean, if you believe Jesus died and rose again to pay for your sins, everything is good between you and God. You're fine because all your sins have been paid for in advance. Jesus took care of them all. So you can quit worrying about what God thinks about you, where you stand with God. I mean, good grief. If somebody's willing to die for you, they're for you, okay? You don't have to wonder about it. When you sin, God's not going to disown you. You're part of his family forever. But those people you sinned against, well, they're not okay. And they're who matter most to God now. That's who you better figure out how to love better. Because when you love them, you love God. The better you love them, the better you love God. Because you're loving someone that God loves. 
You're loving someone he created. But when you mix the old back in with the new, you mess up all of that. Now it becomes just about you and God again. And so you find ways to justify not loving the people around you. This is why Paul couldn't stand for even a little bit of that old to hang around anymore. And so when these people started telling the Galatian Christians they needed to be circumcised to follow Jesus, well, he was furious. I mean, really furious. Here's the R-rated part of his letter, okay? You may want to pause this and cover your kids' ears if they're around. He wrote to the Galatians and he said, As for those agitators, those people saying, Oh, you got to keep following the old covenant. He said, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Matt, does that mean what I think it means? Yes, it does. It literally means Paul's going, I wish they'd just cut the whole thing off. To which we all go, well, easy, Paul. I mean, I think you're taking this a little too seriously. But Paul knew something because he had lived in the religion model for years. So he knew how dangerous this was. He knew that if you left any part of the old way of thinking around, well, guess what would happen? When you leave the religion model, eventually leaders become self-righteous. You know why? Well, they can interpret the sacred text any way they want to, any way that helps them meet the requirement, and any way that forces you to depend on them to meet it. They can interpret it any way they want to justify their behavior, but turn around and condemn you for yours. And Paul knew, you leave the religion model around and followers are going to start becoming hypocrites because I'm going to look for loopholes to justify my behavior so I can still feel like things are good between me and God. I may treat the people around me like trash. I may gossip and gripe and be greedy towards people I don't like. I may lose my temper and crush somebody. I may be racist and sexist and devalue someone. But as long as I went to the front of a church and I prayed a prayer, you know, then everything's good between me and God. None of that behavior bothers my conscience anymore. See, Paul knew mixing the old means that our text, our scripture would be manipulated. Where people would go, well, the Bible says you're wrong and you're sinning because, you know, and God's not happy with you and it's all right here in the Bible. You ever had someone use the Bible like a club on you? You ever heard someone use the Bible to justify their unloving behavior towards you? Well, I'm just treating you that way because the truth in the Bible is, you know, it happens all the time, which means the result is people end up getting mistreated. Have you ever seen somebody mistreated by the church? Of course you have. You ever watch Christians value their beliefs, their rules, their laws, their theology more than they value a person that God actually created? Paul says, there you go. That's why I won't tolerate the old. Because those people you devalue are made in the image of God. They're loved deeply by Him, and they are far more sacred than any place or space. Which is why Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, if this bothers you and you're wondering what gave Paul the right to say that, well, I'll tell you where Paul got it. On the night of Jesus' arrest, Jesus is sitting with his closest friends and followers around a dinner table. They're eating the last Passover meal. And he looks at these good Jewish boys, think about this, who've been raised in the religion model. They've been taught to follow all the law of Moses, and then all the laws of Pharisees had added to the law of Moses, so 613 in total. And they've been taught that all of these laws mattered if they want things to be right between them and God. And Jesus looks at them, and he says, A new command I give you. Not new as in, I'm going to add one to the old covenant and make it number 614. Nope. New as in, All the Old Covenant rules are outdated and they're obsolete now. 
There is a new single command for you to follow that replaces all of them. And here it was. Love one another. That sounds just like what Paul said, doesn't it? Yep. Because Jesus is saying the only thing that counts is faith, working itself out by loving one another. It's God's only commandment now. Now, if you're thinking, hang on, Matt, that's just too soft, that's too mushy, that's too sentimental, that lowers the bar way too much. God's got to expect way more from us than that. Oh, you're right, he does. He expects way more than some emotional, do-good-when-I-feel-like-it kind of love. Here's the bar. Jesus looked at him and he said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now think about this. Just a few hours later, they would watch love on a cross take their breath away as Jesus gave his last breath away. And the bar was raised. And they finally realized that Jesus meant what he said when he taught them to love God, love one another, and love their enemies. That was a sacrificial love. He required us to show each other. And then Jesus looked at them and said, by that kind of love, everyone's going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. See, Jesus never taught that people would know we followed him because of our sacred places, our church buildings, our sacred text, you know, our, our sacred teachers. No. He said the distinguishing and the genuine mark of any Jesus follower is the sacrificial, supernatural love that they have for the people around them. It's the kind of love that gives expecting nothing in return. It's the kind of love that serves even when we're treated like a servant. It's the kind of love that's kind even to our enemies. That's what we ought to be known for. That's one command that's simple to understand, but man, is it demanding to live out. But that's what makes a Christian a Christian. So if you resist Christianity or you resist the church, you've got good reasons to resist what you've experienced. But let me ask you something. What about what Jesus just taught? What about that kind of love is there to resist? I mean, what about this wouldn't you want to be true? This is how much God is for you. That's how much he loves you. So why not embrace what he's offering you? And for those of us who are Christians, I mean, I know this messes with you and what you've seen, what you've been taught your whole life. I get that. In the final episode of this series, I'll help address some of those questions and frustrations that this creates. But come on. Jesus was very clear. If people determined whether you followed him strictly by how well you loved others like Jesus loves you, well, what would they say about you? If that's not what you'd want to hear, maybe it's time to give up the religion model and embrace what Jesus introduced for you. Because it is simple and it is clear. So ask yourself, where am I mixing the old with the new? Come on, where are you failing to love one another like Jesus has loved you? What unkind, unloving, judgmental behaviors or actions have you justified because you put some theological belief above a person? I'm telling you, your love for God is validated, authenticated, and demonstrated by how well you love all the people around you. So if you failed at that, and we all do at times, there are probably some apologies that need to be made, some relationships that need to be mended, some olive branches that need to be extended. Come on, let's own when and where we failed. Because we should not be the obstacle that makes it difficult for people to turn to a God who loves them and is for them that much. Let me pray for us.
Father, for those of us who follow you, would you help us to have the wisdom to see when we start justifying our behaviors and our actions and we just simply don't love like you've loved us. Help us to be aware of it. Help us to own it. Help us to address it. We don't want to make it difficult for people to turn to you because of the way we treat them or the way we demonstrate your love. And for those who they resist church or they resist Christianity because of what they've experienced. You know, my hope and my prayer is that right now they'll understand that what they've seen, it's not what you introduced, Jesus. And that they'll choose to accept the gift that you're offering, a gift of forgiveness, a gift of freedom, a gift to be a part of your family. It's all given freely. That they'll choose to just tell you, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life because I want to know and love you the way you have demonstrated that you love me. We're grateful for that love, Jesus, and we ask your help in showing that to the people around us. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.